Welcome to Misty Night, a podcast exploring the doubts and concerns that arise around Christianity. I'm Nick Petkoff. I'm Andy Yetter. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, we invite you to join us on this journey as we navigate the misty nights of doubt and uncertainty. Faith isn't about your ability to muster a belief out of nothing. It's our hope that through the process of exploring doubts, asking questions, and searching, you'll build a personal faith that is tangible and reliable. So let's take another step on that journey right now. Hello, everyone. I'm Andy Yetter, and I am blessed to be joined by my good friend, Nick Petkoff. Nick, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying a cold, rainy morning. Perfect kind of indoor activity time. And I'm having, it's a it's a relatively, you know, dry, uh, but cool summer night here. Nick and I are kind of in different parts of the world. I'm sitting here in West Virginia in the U.S., and Nick's over. Would you consider... Consider yourself in Tokyo, or is there kind of a subsection of Japan you say you're in? Um, definitely in Tokyo, but more of a suburb, which uh, doesn't mean a whole lot because it sprawls for, you know, 10 more cities. But yes, technically Tokyo, a suburb of it. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting getting to um, connect with Nick because being just people on, we, did, we didn't have like any uh, previous connections prior to starting this podcast other than just, you know, I reached out one day because we were trying to find some way to support missions in Japan and we stumbled across Nick and his wife and it was seemed like a seemed like a good couple we wanted to connect with. Yeah, it was um, uh, definitely something unexpected or unplanned for. Never even been to your side of the US, I'm pretty sure, and um, still haven't actually met in person, uh, yeah. surprisingly, <laughs> too. Yeah, it was amazing just to get an email um, basically out of nowhere from a website we have that uh, led to a really, uh, really good relationship um, that's turned into something like, you know, obviously this podcast, um, which hits real close to home for me because over here you deal with a lot of questions like this and people have all kinds of doubts all over the world and Japan's no exception to that. And so it was a really, a really great uh, way to get into those those questions and dig a little deeper and have answers prepared for them. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, you know, we're not going to see each other in person. Obviously, there's a distance factor of it. But also, you know, I think we kind of started connecting just as COVID was really kind of taken off. And we'll say that that was also a factor. <laughs> Very much so. Um, it didn't really matter where you were in the world. It was all online, right? Yeah. Every, every, in some ways, it was like there was no distance difference, at least compared to everyone else I was Zooming with all the time. But this has been great. No, and as not to dwell too long on our friendship, but just to establish that, you know, Nick and I, we've kind of been hanging out now. We play games sometimes. We both have a passion for, say, apologetics. And and this podcast kind of started to come out of that. There's a, there's a lot of apologetics material out there for people. A lot of podcasts, but also books and videos. And so, so it's sometimes tempting to act like, oh, I shouldn't put anything out because, you know, there's so much other stuff that exists but you know i think one thing that kind of is a truth for me is you know we still have our own unique experiences there's still different people we're going to reach out to and one of the things that i've always had a heart for is really just not just the pure intellectual facts of apologetics but there's always just a very human element of doubting and struggling and i can really sympathize with people because i've gone through a lot of that myself so at the heart of it you know, I think this podcast is really about helping those that are struggling with doubts so that we can give them both some 
intellectual kind of conversation that would hopefully help strengthen themselves, but also just to understand that it's, it's not wrong to doubt and it's not unusual to doubt um, and that they're not alone because there's a whole Christian community out there. Absolutely. And I think that's the environment, yeah, we really want to have it differentiates ourselves from a lot of the apologetics, you know, um, stuff that you've already mentioned that's all over the place, right? Um, but there's not a lot of, I guess, um, assurances given to that it is okay to ask these questions. Is it, okay, is it okay to have these doubts, right? And even kind of thinking through what we were talking about today, I've came across a verse in Jude that just says, have mercy on those who doubt. Like it's even, you know, says in the Bible too. Like that's not a bad thing. It's not unexpected. And I think a lot of um, apologetics and stuff don't even really get into that. It might just not be the area of apologetics to get into that topic of it's okay to doubt. But I think that's something, yeah, we really want to impress and create an environment where it's um, safe to do that. Exactly. So really, what, what better thing then to kind of kick off the whole podcast with than to have an episode about doubt? And, you know, what is doubt? Where does it come from? What are the barriers that really prevent people from working through it? So, Nick, I guess let's just start off with this. I know I kind of maybe hinted at it already a little bit, but uh, have you ever had any kind of doubt with any aspect of your Christian life? Absolutely not. I'm, uh, <laughs> you know, working humanitarian stuff in Japan. I know exactly what I got to do, and I'm confident by faith. And it was just a smooth sail the whole time here, even now. But. <laughs> I don't, no, know, I don't know sure. if everybody who's going to be speaking the same language um, or have coming from different places can catch that the rich sarcasm there. Right. And that will be more obvious as I um, bounce off of that and say that um, absolutely all kinds of doubts throughout my life. But of course, my faith and belief being a big one. A lot of people probably share a similar story where um, your younger years, um, for me, it was uh, mostly Catholic or, or Lutheran, I guess, um, which... I'll consider Catholic life for this discussion. And my parents were more of the Christmas, Easter um, goers to church. Otherwise, you were just a good person. And that was more or less enough to get you uh, that fire insurance to, you know, make sure your life wound up okay. Um, and so it wasn't really my own faith or my own belief for, for many, many years. And it wasn't until I had a few good people in my life that really... Um, took an interest in not just me, but my spiritual life and asking me the right questions um, to get me to ask my own questions, to have my own time with God and build that relationship. And that answered a lot of questions and helped me build my own faith. And it, as many people find out, it just creates more questions and more doubts. And so it's just an ongoing, not to, you know, create a depressing picture of you'll never, you know, be in a place of good foundational belief but it's something that happens and i'm glad that it happens because i definitely wouldn't be able to survive where i am without that kind of doubt and struggling through it that's great and i think you know you, you talk about ownership so i think there's there's obviously a lot of reasons that people can get slammed with doubt in their life um and one of them i think is ownership there's a very common trend and it's not like again i think any kind of character flaw but just to say that, you, you know, when you grow up and you get taught a certain thing, sometimes that ownership of the belief, you just kind of hand off to like, well, my parents wouldn't lie to me. My friends wouldn't lie to me. Like, and you like, and obviously I don't need to do much other research because I'll just take it for granted that all this stuff is true. And it's not until something kind of comes flying at you from the side that 
no one has an answer for right away that you're like, oh, I'm not quite ready for that. Um, that that's definitely a situation that I had. Uh, going to school for engineering, I grew up in a world where we always kind of just got told, well, God has to be true. Everything's too complicated to explain otherwise. And as I went into engineering and started learning about, you know, complex systems and um, how emergent intelligence and things like this, and it's just like, oh, there's actually some some explanations that exist. And that just really knocked the feet out from underneath me because for so long I just kind of didn't bother to dig in much deeper. I just took for granted that, oh yeah, that's the that's the case and I don't need to look any further. It's, it's definitely interesting. And, and that's just, you say, you know, ownership wise, not having that ownership of your own fate is definitely one of the things that I think that will catch a lot of people who have grown up in the church or who have grown up in a sense of, um, you know, just feeling like they're surrounded by a community that all believes a thing, so they don't need to think too hard about it. Mm-hmm. But also from the people that, you know, I think is the opposite is true, where if they don't grow up around any religion or any faith, it becomes a thing that, ah, you don't know, like, I don't think about faith. I don't think about religion because it's not a thing that I really put much weight into. So I think you can have it on both sides. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, yeah, for majority of people, especially um, in Western cultures, we tend to get exposed to, you know, some kind of church or um, some kind of, you know, connection to Christianity or various religion um, through our parents and friends. So exposure happens really early and yeah, either kind of unconsciously make a decision that we're either gonna just, yeah, accept what is just kind of fed to us or sometimes take the other stance and just not really get into it and just taking whatever you hear as absolute truth. And then <laughs> no doubt, because uh, it's un- understandable that that, you know, prevents, you know, going deeper too. And so there's definitely a bit of a balance there that's really important. Yeah. And I think too, like the ownership becomes a factor when you start one, like one big factor for me, that I think where doubts come from, and I think it's probably true for a lot of people is when you start getting these intellectual challenges and this kind of can take a number of different forms. Sometimes it's because like, as I mentioned, you have some assumption that suddenly you're seeing isn't necessarily true. Sometimes it can be a debate that you see online or it can be someone pulling up some bit of archaeological evidence that suddenly doesn't mesh or someone saying that, hey, yeah, this thing online disproved the Bible. Um, There's lots of things that can kind of get thrown at you. And then that intellectual doubt is one thing. And then on the flip side, you have some people in the faith who will say, oh, you just need to not doubt. Like doubting's bad. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, you just need to have faith. And for someone that's trying to be, say, a truth seeker, that is that's kind of a, a red flag. Right? Like it's like almost like a cult-like behavior to say, hey, don't think about it, just do it. And if you doubt it, it's bad. So those intellectual challenges, I think, again, I think that's normal. And I think that's part of, you know, trying to follow God is finding like, again, having that justification for your faith. You know, the Bible even tells us, you know, always be ready to give a defense of your faith that is in you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's good to doubt because it's going to grow that defense. And it's going to grow you closer to, to God. But definitely, I think it's sometimes jarring because you have this intellectual ivory tower and then you have the church and the church sometimes says like, oh, that's too complicated, just faith alone. And you see the the intellectuals telling you, oh, you know, but this X, Y, Z is is wrong and you can't believe it. So it kind of creates this intellectual disparity. And some of this ties into the trends that we see in the media of, you know, science versus religion, um, where it has to be one or the other. 
And I think people sometimes, you know, get caught back and start to have doubt too, because they start to buy into that narrative that, oh, it has to be one or the other. I have to be either, you know, looking for the truth and be intellectual, or I have to just have blind faith. Mm -hmm. Which is a real shame because it's painted a, you know, negative light on both sides, right? Um, anywhere that creates a bad schism like that doesn't lead to a good place of understanding. I think brings up something too, is that um, your mindset about doubt is really important too. And probably the most important part about our heart when we set out to find answers or help settle some doubts is that being open-minded, level-headed is really important. It's good to come from a place of humility and then that way you can take any piece of knowledge and be able to discern, you know, analyze it well. Because the last thing you want is to also be in a place that you're just, um, you're so rigid and you're so overconfident and no new information can be presented to you or given to you. It's just, you know, you're totally closed off and you don't want that either. Um, yeah. You really want to be at a place where you can be open to potentially changing, you know, your understanding about something like that's a natural process. You know, there's, you've learned something new that you didn't know before and it might lead you to think about something differently. That's okay. Like <laughs> that's pretty natural. And unfortunately, as you were saying, it's, it's kind of created the split between the church and intellectual areas, which is too bad because that creates a stigma on people who are of faith is to be, though they're not less intelligent or less willing to, you know, analyze or less being open to criticism. And um, that's too bad because I think that's not a good, very good representation of us. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, whether or not the, the the intellectual challenge has any merit or not, right? Like, because because honestly, there is a lot of good intellectual debate that can happen, you know, around the Bible. Like, there is some really good, you know, research and trying to like actually have like your apologetics with science findings and what the Bible says. Um, so I'm not trying to basically say anyone that has a question or a doubt about the Bible. Like, obviously, those are all stupid. Mm. Like, I'm not trying to say that. Um, but but what I'm just trying to get at is that there are these doubts that creep up because we get these intellectual challenges because either we've grown up in this world where you know it's not right to doubt it or because it legitimately legitimately is just a, a doubt that actually starts to you know threaten our worldview and we start to get some anxiety about it and, and i'll talk about that probably a little bit more later but i think to your point about being open-minded and about being like you know open to kind of digging in and seeing maybe things from different perspectives i think it's super important that we be proactive about that kind of stuff and, and do your research. And this, and this kind of ties into the ownership question too, right? Because if you don't have ownership, then you get your kind of your feet knocked out from underneath you. But the other important reason for that is, you know, maybe not because an intellectual challenge comes your way, but sometimes we just have like doubt comes from like really hard life events. You know, sometimes we get hit in the face with some kind of death in the family or some traumatic event that just leaves us, you know, looking up to the sky and asking God why. Mm. And if we're not having that ownership of our faith, if we're not, you know, trying to be on top of things, you know, there's some really heavy doubt that comes out of those life events. And it really makes us ask some hard questions about how can God let XYZ happen? And it makes us start to look to the Bible for answers, or maybe we don't, because maybe at that point in time, it's already too late. And if we haven't already put in the time, it becomes kind of a breaking point. Right. I really kind of destroy the open-minded and level-headedness when the point you're dealing with difficult questions or doubt is already a life situation that's terrible, right? You know, dealing with loss of loved ones or in a situation where uh, things are really ugly. It's, it just makes it all the more difficult to, you know, um, sort through these things. And obviously you can't predict the future. You don't know when this stuff's gonna happen. Um, 
and you know that sucks but we can be somewhat prepared that when they do happen we're at least not like you said you know getting knocked off your feet exactly because because there's a lot of questions right and these are big questions like not not the kind of question you just you know look up on google and be like oh, okay i'm good with that right but like the nature of evil the nature of suffering like all of these things are concepts that every christian really wrestles with i feel like and life events that can kind of really come up and shake us um you know they can give us a lot of doubt if we're not already firmly rooted in our own faith and sometimes sometimes i think that leads to maybe like we'll say like a state of apathy even of okay i just don't care if god doesn't care about me i don't care about him mm. um or maybe there's just apathy in general about you know i don't care about religious life you know i think there's there's a number of things where doubt can just come from these places of like who cares you know right get into a real mindset of what has it done for me and that's that's real rough because that's exactly when it should come into play as when things get really difficult is when you're really hurting that's where you really want to have this to lean back on right because that that literally saves you literally and figuratively and so we want that for you too we want you to have that i don't know if you want to call it a safety net or or what but that when that stuff happens you can comfortably know that doesn't really part that doesn't matter is an empathy religion that's not the part that doesn't matter the part that doesn't matter is everything else and i think too like along those lines these life events that we're talking about can be really negative emotional events and you know i think that's another thing is sometimes people will associate their religious life purely to emotional events like oh i felt really connected to god and sometimes these are things that are very much focused just on positives in our life that make us feel like god's on our side and when things suddenly don't go our way then, then suddenly we have all this doubt of you know oh how can you know if you know, God is actually with me and, you know, he was giving me all these positive vibes before, but now I don't have it, then maybe I was mistaken about God. And we kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak, when we have these sort of bundling God in with our positive feel-good vibes and anything else, then obviously then, you know, just goes against that. So I think we've talked a lot about doubt and where doubt can come from, you know, from ownership, intellectual challenges, life events, kind of emotional state changes. The other thing I think that's really worth talking about today is to go through a couple of the big barriers that really, once once you have that doubt, how can you how can you work through it? How can you process through it? And what are the barriers that exist that really stop us from from doing that? I know for the first one that I, I'm going to talk about, and arguably it's the most difficult one, is cultural pressures. And this can be cultural in terms of like where you live, like in the world, it can be your local community, your church friends it could be your family and there is a an immense amount of pressure that can come from those groups that really, really kind of inhibit how you seek and try to work through your doubts i know for me as i get older and i and i grew up like i'm i'm like i'm an elder millennial i think which sounds amazing um so, <laughs> sounds like some kind of lovecraft i've heard title. that one before <laughs> um probably um, right there too so I got to kind of really ride as the internet became just a common everyday thing, right? When I was growing up, it was modem connections and whatnot. And now it's, you know, just internet everywhere. But we see that there's a culture on the internet, really. And there's like a pretty strong anti-religious culture that's kind of developed on the internet. And I always have to kind of warn my nieces and nephews, because if you spend a lot of your time just on the internet, looking in certain websites and kind of the echo chamber of the internet, you just start to get this whole atmosphere like, man, like, everyone thinks Christianity is dumb. I don't want to like be dumb. So I'm not going to even like try and look into it. I'm not going to try to resolve this doubt. And that's just, we'll say the internet. Right. Just one of the many uh, circles of influence that, you know, you wind up in. 
place of work is another one. Yeah, and you said family and, and everything too. And that's not to say that uh, this is as simple as just a peer pressure thing, right? It might not even be someone directly trying to influence you that way. It's just this passive perspective that kind of rubs against, you know, that kind of thinking or that kind of lifestyle. Yeah, and it can go all the way from just that kind of, as you mentioned, kind of like this rubbing against, this kind of subtle influencing but it can go even all the way, right? Like if you have family yeah, totally. members that are strictly another religion, the idea that you could change that religion to change how you believe, you know, use the extreme example, right? There's people in the Middle East that if they do that, you know, that's a death sentence for them. And you can imagine that being on one extreme, but even, you know, I think there's plenty of cases you can look at where people get disowned or shunned mm. because they chose to believe something different than what their peer group, their family chose to like, are believing. So that's an immense amount of pressure when you're like, man, like I love my family. And if I choose to not believe this, then I'm not going to have them anymore. Yeah, that is a, a major sacrifice that sometimes have to be made. Um, some are fortunate and don't ever have to, you know, struggle with basically, you know, separating themselves from their family, either intentionally or because they've been ostracized. Um, but in many cases, that's true for a lot of people. And um, I think, as weird as it is, you can find some comfort in that too, that there are people who have felt so confident and so um, comforted um, by their faith that they were able to do that and have done that and are continuing to do that. And in many times, instead of, you know, like you said earlier, having more of an apathy toward their faith, they're all the more stronger because of it. Yeah, there's a really strong example, and, and I wish I wish I remembered the details off the top of my head. Unfortunately, I just re recollect reading the story of this girl in the Middle East who was changing her faith, and she was kind of posting to online forums about it. Um, and one of her final posts was about how like she was felt so confident and so much peace now that she had changed, mm -hmm. but she felt like her brother had found out about it, and she didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and the fact that no one's ever heard from her since kind of indicates that she kind of paid the highest price for her beliefs. Um, but in that final post she gives, she kind of still is like just emanating her confidence, her peace, and urging others to also then you know, find their way towards towards Christ. Mm. Oh, I hadn't heard about that. And, and, and the way it ended, you said, was turned into her probably someone finding out or her brother finding out. And then just because that culture that's typical of that that's what's expected or what has believed happened yeah oh so and and i and i don't want to paint the picture here for all the listeners that you know like you know like hey if you choose to have a doubt be ready to die we'll say there is an element of that in the christian religion right like we want to we should be able willing to die for our faith but not everyone's willing to make that jump right away and it's it's a gradual change for some and so don't feel guilty if your if your faith walk doesn't take such a drastic turn some of us some of us ease into things a little bit slower than others and we learn things at different paces and and our scenarios are all different yeah what's important is yeah how you deal with it i think it's important to mention too that doubt isn't necessarily unbelief like yeah. <laughs> and i think that's what gets you um into a lot of trouble in church too is when you express doubts and everything as it's almost treated as disbelief or you know not having faith 
and it's not like they're mutually exclusive, right? Like you can know where your solid ground is in other areas um, and rely on those as you work through a particular doubt. It, and it, it makes it hard though when when you're when when people view your questions, your doubts, as heresies, as you know disbeliefs, and as basically being antagonistic, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's yes, not helpful. Uh, I know. My, my family overall, like I grew up Christian, I grew up in a Baptist church, but there are certain beliefs that I, I know I've had, I've, I've kind of have mentioned as I've grown older. And sometimes if that, if that goes against the grain, even for like little things, you start to feel the kickback of, oh, how could you believe mm. that? So, so, I, so I empathize really with everybody out there that has to work through these issues when they don't have the support network of a church or a family or people that are willing to accept the fact that doubts are a normal part of the Christian life. Because mm. um, ultimately, that tends to push people further away from the church altogether than actually help people draw closer to the to the truth. I'm curious because I think a lot of people really relate to that. I do too. Um, when you would ask those questions and everything, would you? Um, and when you're met with those kinds of answers of, do you just like really dig in and push back, or was it more of a, it's not worth the fight, and to just you know seek your own answers elsewhere? In my cases, you know, and some of these things would have to be like my family would be very much pro um, for those that are familiar with answers in Genesis like that mm -hmm. to them. Those answers kind of became very like canonical um, for whatever answers in Genesis gave. Um, now, some some of my family members have since actually changed their opinions on that. And that's great, um, at least from, again, the point of view for certain topics. I don't want to get into all the details on each individual thing. Um, but in those moments, you know, where you have that kickback. I was at least comfortable enough with my family that I felt like I could say, give my give my opinion and give my take and explain it. Mm. And if anything, then they would be the ones that would kind of shut down and be like, oh, we're not going to talk about this. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So I think it always depends, right? And I'm not trying to give like, blanket advice for people how to handle the doubt other than to say, it's normal that it's there. Realize that sometimes it's coming from people that are just really afraid that you're going to kind of become a become an outsider to the group by changing what you believe and you know i just i can we can empathize with that that it's it's hard it's tricky but you're not alone right it's mm -hmm. not and while some people might try to cling on desperately to keep you from changing your views um you know i think a lot of the times that comes from a fact that people people like to think that they're right about the things they believe right like that's just universally true <laughs> yes and so when they see someone starting to deviate from those beliefs, it's like, well, no, I think, but I think I'm right. I don't want them to believe the wrong thing. Like these, oftentimes these social pressures come because people care about you because mm -hmm. there's an element of love that's there that they don't want to see you believe the wrong things. But, you know, truth seekers, as I like to call uh, those people that are facing doubts, we, we get limited sometimes because we don't want to rock the boat. All right. Talked a lot about that. So I'm going to I'm going to go on to item number two on my list. Unless you anything else you want to talk on that, Nick? No, that sounds great. Where are we going? All right. Second thing I think that really can be a barrier to working through doubt. And we, we talked about this a little bit earlier is the anxiety that kind of comes with feeling your worldview is being threatened. And this kind of ties a little bit into you know, just the family discussion, right? Because sometimes when you hear family members believing something different, it's actually anxiety that you, the worldview that you believe in is being challenged. Someone you know is believing something different. And if it's someone you love and respect, you're like, well, wait, how can that be? Am I wrong? Are they wrong? And sometimes this anxiety paralyzes us. I, I cannot, I don't know about you, Nick, but for me, there have been many nights where I've like read something on 
on the internet where it has said, you can't believe the Bible because X, Y, Z. And I'm almost afraid to Wikipedia search it or do, do research because I'm afraid it's going to verify that, oh, yeah, like mm-hmm. it actually it doesn't make sense and your faith is actually wrong. And and it's a really it, it's hard. Like, again, all the intellectual barriers aside, just that fact that you have a worldview that's threatened and that you have to take the steps to kind of confirm it and dig into the details mm-hmm. and you might actually have to change it. I mean, that's huge. Like, it's really hard to do that. Like, you, it's, it's a big swallow the frog moment for people. Um, you know, you just have to get that stuff, out, get it out of the way. Mm. But it kind of, I don't know, it kind of paralyzes you. I don't have you ever, have, ever had any moments like that? Yeah, definitely. I think that I, that's usually one of those things that kind of um, takes the turn with some like major event happening or um, something getting pretty like charged either um, politically or because of the situation that happened. And then, not that it's always a new thing, but it's something that's, you know, because it's happened and it's going around that you're going to have to deal with it, either you're going to get asked about it, or, you know, someone's going to pressure you. So it's not just a passive thing of, oh, I see this is happening and now I have to be prepared for it. It's like, no, I know someone's going to come at me with this and you have to prepare yourself for it. And it just gets you in a weird spot of like inactivity where I don't really want to do this because this just, you know, forces a shaky ground for me and now I've got to deal through this but then if I don't then it's going to come up later and it's going to get worse it's almost like um that kind of um anxiety mixed with inaction that that causes yeah. the anxiety and the inaction causes more anxiety and anxiety causes inaction it's real <laughs> real fiery circle you almost just want to bury your hand, head in the sand and just like just let hope it, just let it go away I don't want to deal with this mm-hmm and as we kind of talked about at the very beginning, right? Like there's there's this element of ownership though that you can't run away from. Um, you have to own your beliefs. You have to seek for the truth. And if you try to hide from it, you know, if, if anything, you're not you're not really. You maybe get away from that immediate anxiety, but you're ultimately making your belief more fragile because you're not mm-hmm. actually digging into it. And because because you you're still a smart person at the end of the day, and you know the count, and you can see the things piling up that you haven't answered yet. And at some point, there's kind of a tipping of the scales where your doubts kind of overwhelm whatever belief you had before. And you get in, and you get into this point where your doubts just become overwhelming, not because any single doubt was too much for you to overcome, but because they piled up. Yeah, the tipping the scales is a really good metaphor because I think that we get into a point where we really quickly doubt our faith, um, representative stuff like that, but not doubt those doubts. Like we um, allow, you know, a weird non-equal thing. Two doesn't equal two here, right? And you can get those doubts and you can doubt those doubts, you know, from your faith. You don't always have to come at your faith with doubts too. And that scale is really imbalanced that way. It's interesting to think about. That's a good point about doubting the doubts. <laughs> um, and I think too, this is where it's like, sometimes it depends what ground you're coming from too. I know for me, you know, some of the stuff I talked about from my own personal experience, right? is I'm holding on to a Christian faith. And then when I have worldview challenges, I, I shy away from it because I want to protect that worldview. I think there's another flip side to this though, where there's some people that it's not because they're necessarily trying to cling on to a worldview, but there's other worldviews they don't want to even acknowledge or consider mm-hmm. because the worldview that they currently hold on to, you know, they want to like, they want, they want the world to be a certain way. They, have a, they want a God to be a certain way or they don't want a God because that would mean X, Y, Z for their life. Um, you know, the, either, and I know there's some certain things, you know, Christians will say about people not wanting to be accountable to God. Um, but I think, too, it's 
there's other things too, right? Like I think and you'll see some of this kind of happen a lot of times in different cults and religions where people will change the nature of God to match what makes sense to them um, because they have certain things that just have to be true to them and they don't want to threaten that part of their worldview. So they won't look they won't they won't look at other things because they don't want that to be something they have to consider. So versus kind of protecting something out of fear and having anxiety because of that, it's almost an anxiety of I don't want to look because, again, I'd have to maybe sacrifice this one thing in particular that mm -hmm. is really tied to my identity or tied to my core systems. As an example, I'll give is a long time ago, um, Elizabeth and I, um, Elizabeth being my wife, for those who don't know, um, you know, we had some Jehovah Witnesses into our house. And one of the ladies that was came in as we were kind of doing some Bible studies and diving in became apparent that her son was a non-believer and but through through kind of being a Jehovah Witness, she had hope that she'd get to meet her son again in the afterlife. And she you, and you, it didn't take long to realize that that was one of the things that was really driving her beliefs is because she needed that to be true. And I don't know much more about her personal life. We actually kind of at some point, I think they decided we weren't converting. So um, they stopped coming over to our house. But the point was more that, you know, I think we have pe there's people out there, though, and there's different things that drive that. Um, it could be LGBT concerns. It could be political concerns. It could be any number of things, you know, loved ones that really just say, you know what, I'm, I have this one thing I don't want to, to sacrifice on. This is too important to me. And I'm going to limit how I resolve my doubts because I can't risk this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we live in a place where everything's personalized, right? Like everything can come to you on your terms um, really easily and really quickly. And we definitely carry that into our you know, relationship with God too, that it's a lot easier to pick and choose what aspects you want to follow or fit well with your life or, you know, however you want to, you know, build your sim kind of mentality of that to changing ourselves instead, you know, to put my head, it's a lot harder and a lot scarier, right? The whole thing we're talking about is doubt that usually requires some kind of change in us. And not only is it more work, it's a lot scarier. And so yeah. that makes perfect sense to me. And I do that all the time. Like I'd much rather change something external um, than change something about myself. Yeah, I think I forget the book it was came out of, but basically the whole point was for a lot of people, their God is too small. Mm. Um, you know, God is big. God, God is unchanging like you know like he's the thing you have to kind of go to for the source of absolute truth but so oftentimes we make our truth the most important thing like the little thing like whatever our viewpoint of life is that's right and we lose track of you know what what's really real and even within the church for even just like we'll just say not necessarily a non-believer believer thing just anybody that has doubts it's really easy to limit how you're going to resolve things mm-hmm just because you don't want to let go of a certain key point but also sometimes it's because it's easy just to make up things that make sense to you in your head and and that sometimes happens because what i'm, what I'm going to now use as a transition to point number three <laughs> is uh is exposure exposure to different ideas exposure to you know being able just to be aware of like what does the church actually say about xyz one of the things that i always bring up is you know, some people think that their faith is threatened when if they looked at it, they'd be like, oh, actually, no, the church has been talking about this for centuries. <laughs> and it's a very common thing to be like, you know, you, especially on the Internet, you read these things on the Internet and you're thinking, oh, this guy found a thing, you know, he found mm -hmm. a piece of evidence. The church never even thought of it in the past 2000 years. 
And it's like, no, no, like that was brought up like right away <laughs> um, in the church. And but some people just don't have that exposure, right? Because there is a lot to learn when you become a Christian. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of writings, a lot of, and, and honestly, in full disclosure, right? There's a lot of things the church still doesn't even hold hands on, right? There's a lot mm -hmm. of things that, that, you know, people still can't decide how they want to, what's the proper way to believe around certain aspects of, I mean, pretty much everything. Basically, <laughs> right? If there's a question about it, you know, there's probably uh, some different perspective that doesn't agree with one or the other. That's true for just about everything. And oh, religion is no exception to that at all. And one of the one of the great things I think that comes out of these kind of podcasts that I'm really hoping we also can give kind of to people that listen in, right, is exposure to ideas. You know, there's a lot of stuff that people just don't know about until they hear it from somebody. And not everybody has the time to go crack open a bunch of books and do all this reading, right? So I think things like podcasts really are great because they allow for someone else to do a lot of this reading and to kind of just, again, give you exposure. And I, and I purposely say exposure, right? Because I don't want to say I'm giving you an answer. And hopefully we never come at these things as here's your answer, guys, um, to these tough questions. Because these these tough questions that generate doubt, you know, they're tough for a reason. And we don't we, we, we should not be kind of the, the replacement for the truth. Mm. <laughs> you know, my hope is always that, you know, we'll help kind of light the way to show you where you need to go. But ultimately, we're not we're not the path like we're not the, the one way. Yeah, that's a really important piece of information to take to heart. And this is actually something that you run into therapy all the time, too, with therapists is that um, they're not there to give you an answer in the same way where you're not to give you an answer to uh, one, because if we just give an answer that doesn't really serve a purpose, the idea is, is that to be able to um, wrestle yourself and to um, find these answers and solutions on your own is the most important part because otherwise it's just short-sighted yeah kind of that whole idea of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable mm. so if, if we can get people to that point where it's like normalizing the doubt normalizing the process of overcoming it um you know that's that's where i think people have been served versus yeah, giving you an answer and then the next time another thing comes back up you're you're scrambling again yeah looking for the answer from the same person and even to that end, right, we're, we're not the only source. There's tons of good materials out there. Um, I think the only the only bit I'll say is just when you're looking for answers to avoid falling into some of the other things we've already mentioned, you know, just just keep an open mind, right? Look and survey the landscape because there's definitely a ton of stuff out there, different mm -hmm. viewpoints, and it doesn't always have to be a one like one way or the you know, yeah, my Don't way or the highway. Don't be scared of that anything. stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think the other part that's worth bringing up from an exposure standpoint and in terms of how it's a barrier to overcoming doubt is when we talk about general revelation, right? And how people connect to God in the absence of scripture. Coming from the United States in particular, right? I think everyone's used to, you know, everyone at least knows what Christians are and have more or less an idea of what Christians believe. Now, I think as more and more I see surveys come out of people grossly misunderstanding that it's kind of shocking me but how much more even so in other countries where the scripture is not circulating around as heavily but they still kind of have some level of exposure through general revelation yeah that's definitely something to take into consideration too not just because of the general revelation side um, but even though 
we're pretty spoiled, um, especially being English, which I'm assuming most people listen to this are, you know, pretty proficient at English. <laughs> um, we have the greatest amount of information at our fingertips. There are all kinds of places to get answers to these questions. Um, and not just some verses from the Bible, right? There's so many different commentaries and apologetics and books and lectures. We have such a wealth of information. And um, and admittedly due to that nature, um, it ends up being very intellectual. Um, A lot of it ends up being very academic. And um, that's not, I'm not painting that as bad at all. Like we're intellectual beings and resources like the Bible and historical records and metasciences, human psychology are like all places we can learn and grow. And I think we'll probably use a lot of those in this podcast and we have already, and we'll definitely continue to do that. And due to nature, you can bet there'll be plenty of uh, examples out of scripture too, but we do want to allow some room for exploration um, beyond that too, and that it doesn't just stop there. Um, We're also spiritual and emotional beings too right yeah our experiences and relationships our feelings are also part of who we are and you know, ways we interact and understand everything else including our faith yeah i think there's there's always a risk um i think especially you know for those of us that kind of get you know more academic with our theological research and apologetics that we, we lose sight of the fact that god wants a personal relationship with us mm-hmm. um, there's a great book called god has a name that really focuses on some of these key elements and how, you know, yeah, no, God, God wants a relationship with you. And he's more than just, you know, we'll say this cosmic vending machine where you throw out <laughs> prayers and get what you want back, right? Like some of us really feel this disconnection from God because we get purely so focused on, say, the textbook. But there's some people that it's the opposite, right? They, they have this deep spiritual relationship with God, but don't necessarily then have the, the academics behind it to always you know, marry it up with concepts or um, debate topics. Mm-hmm. And that's just a very unique relationship with God, right? Like, it's also good we don't compare ourselves with others. And that's just good advice in general. But, you know, their walk isn't yours and their relationship with God isn't necessarily your relationship with God. And that doesn't mean that that their relationship should be entirely avoid of, you know, digging into scripture and answering some of these hard questions. But that for them, that might not be as necessary. The vice versa is true as well. I'll say one other thing just on that line of reasoning. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, and we mentioned this before, which is everyone's walks a bit different. We do have to be careful that we don't let emotions become the pure thing that justifies our beliefs. Um, you know, there's a number of cults and things out there that will that will harness, you know, uh, uh, emotional manipulation to kind of dictate, you know, this is why Absolutely. it's right. Yeah. But at the same time, I know pe- not everyone is called to the same level of intellectual study. There's, there's been some amazing Christians that I've known in my life, the, some of the best people I've ever met. And they just really didn't, they didn't have the mental, I don't want to, I'm not, this is coming across a little insulting. <laughs> um, we'll just say, you know, God did not gift them with the desire to do a lot of the mental exercises and the, the deep dives to really get into the, to the meat of apologetics. They didn't need to do it for their faith and they didn't need it to live amazing Christian lives. And that's just, God gave them other talents. So yeah, I think to your point, not everybody needs to have, you know, this really super sound religious belief grounded 
in years of research through theological doctrines and all sorts of other white paper reading. <laughs> Which is very accurate. And yet yeah, to soften that blow more, it's definitely not to be insulting because um, I've also definitely known people like that, that aren't um, particularly intellectual um, thinkers and not because they might not have been able to, they might've been able to do any of that at any particular time. But on an emotional, spiritual level, they were just at a point that I couldn't get and I probably couldn't do. And so it's just um, just because they have a particular affinity or I don't know if you would call it ability or whatever on that side doesn't make it any less real for them. It's just that just how I might be more intellectual, then I can't achieve that level that they have either. Like it doesn't yeah. always make sense to me. Um, I admit that outright, but I also, you know, couldn't couldn't do that if I tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's lots of different fruits of the spirit out there. Mm. And again, kind of just tying and bring it back to the main point, right? So there's lots of things that will be barriers to doubt in our lives. Sometimes it's not having that exposure to the intellectual material. Um, but sometimes it's also not having exposure to that deep spiritual connection either when it becomes just such a pure academic exercise and you kind of lose that wonder of general revelation, mm. that can also be a barrier for people to get through their doubts. Last thing, and I know we're kind of running a little long already for the first episode, but you know, there's a lot of stuff we just wanted to talk about. Um, I think the last thing is just the, maybe not so much a barrier to doubt, um, maybe a barrier on how fast we work through it, or maybe it kind of ties into the other points, but just there's a tendency for people to go through things alone when they confront with, get confronted with doubt. And this might tie into some of the other points, right? Like maybe you're going it alone because you don't feel like you can tell your family. Mm. Maybe you're going it alone because you're just ashamed. You're going it alone just because it makes you so anxious that the idea of then talking to other people about it makes you super anxious. You know, th th there could be any number of reasons why you feel like you have to tackle things alone. But at the end of the day, doing doing your Christian walk alone is kind of, is always kind of gonna be, I think, a bad way to handle it. I think we are created for fellowship and fellowship is one of those things where there's lots of fruits that come out of it and when it comes to doubts and having friendships where you can actively talk to people about here's the concerns I'm having and get answers back and again not necessarily always the right answers but even just having someone help at least give you like some different perspective um, is super important I yeah. think Nick you mentioned earlier that there were some people that kind of when they got invested in your spiritual life that made a lot of difference for you I think that's maybe a good example, right, of when, you, when, you're, when you're alone in your faith, I think your faith is more fragile. And I'm forgetting the verse already, but talking about a three-chord rope um, is not easily broken. Mm. So the idea being, you know, that, yeah, you're going to be stronger together. And that trying to work through doubts on your own, I think, is sometimes it's easy to get caught in your own head, get caught with this echo chamber of doubts and concerns. And sometimes what might seem like this insurmountable challenge to you. One of your fellow Christians or fellow friends might've already gone through it. They might've already just, they may, have, they may have some really good insight for you. They might have a really cool thing that, you know, you haven't thought about before or a good book you haven't read mm -hmm. um, or even just words of encouragement, right? Like sometimes getting over that anxiety is as easy as just being knowing that it's not bad to doubt. And that's, we'll say another thing that I hope this podcast is accomplishing letting people know that you're not alone you know we, we 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 want people to send us questions and things that they're wrestling with we want to be there to help show people that they're not alone that their doubts are justified 
um, in terms of, or maybe maybe not justified, but their doubts are valid. What's the word I'm looking for there? Is that right? It's valid, good. I think valid makes sense to me. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> I don't want to say that their doubts are real and they're going to have problems. <laughs> it's more that it's okay to doubt. <laughs> so I, that's what I really want to hope. I hope we accomplish here in this podcast. So obviously, yeah. there's a there's a number of things for all the doubts and answer seeking will do one pretty obvious and clear one in the bible is you know the togetherness that we're supposed to you know work together and help each other and encourage each other um and yeah you just mentioned the verse in ecclesiastes right you know about a three chord rope isn't easily broken and you know the psalms iron sharpens iron and it's all over the bible and that's probably one of the few not contested parts is that you know we're meant to like go through these things together and talk with each other and i understand it doesn't make it any less scary um sometimes Talking to someone about the general life or weather is anxiety-inducing for a lot of people, much less getting into some, you know, deep philosophical discussion that you're wrestling with because of something that happened. And we want to help more specifically. We want to help you. And if you have something you want to discuss, reach out and let us know. Um, otherwise, hope that in general, you know, you find some edification in this, find some clarity in this, or find something interesting to discuss about and realize that you can have the conversations Andy and I have with someone else, you know, in your life too. But that might take some work to find that person. We just yeah. we want to be cooperative. We're not, you know, player versus playing here. It's just <laughs> exactly. We're all in this together. I'll, I'll I'll kind of start to wrap this up with a quote from Romans uh, fourteen nineteen of Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. You know, we're, we're, let's work together. Let's try and you know help build each other up. That's what this podcast is here for. Again, not to say that your doubts, you shouldn't have them, but to say that they're normal. And let's let's do what we can to remove some of those barriers that might be in your way. All right. Anything else, Nick? I know we're already running a little long, but any any parting words? Uh, no, I think that when I'm working together is really important. I would think I'd like to end it there. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, so much for listening today. Hopefully this has given you an idea on what you can come to expect from the Misty Night podcast. We're looking forward to discussing lots of topics with you guys going forward. Thank you again so much for listening. Uh, this has been Andy and Nick, and hope you have a great one. Yeah, until next time. Thanks for listening to Misty Night. Want to join in on the conversation? Join our community on Facebook and let us know what you thought of the episode or what other questions or topics you'd like to hear us address. We want to work and grow together with you. So join us next time as we take the next steps on this journey to understanding in a world of questions.